Okay. Hey, 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 hey. It's no driving gloves. And you have Derek and, and you have Derek and John with you tonight. I'm gonna go with that opening, you know. I don't care. <laughs> you have Derek and John tonight. Uh Will's getting ready. Actually, I think Will's actually in Louisville at um I don't know if it's a good guy's event or I I didn't read his whole email and his excuse is skipping out tonight. <laughs> street it's Street Rod Nationals, man. It's NSRA, National Street Rod Association, in Louisville. Okay. Those hot rod guys, I just don't understand them. Street rod guys. See, and I get in trouble. Remember, he yells at me when I call him street rods. He's a hot rod guy, and now he's at street rod nationals. He should be at hot rod nationals. I know. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Like, he always gripes when we say street rod, and he's at the street rod nationals unveiling a truck. Yeah. <sighs> Nah, that's Will for you. You don't know. It's paint fumes. We'll go with paint fumes. But now well, we got that new booth, though. There shouldn't be fumes. And yeah, but he sold the the, the old one like dirt, dirt cheap. So <laughs> they got to him at the right point in time, I guess. Yeah, good point. Well, let's. We'll just obviously roll along without him. I think uh, Derek and I've been chatting, and we both hit have uh, found an article online, and it. We think it deserves some discussion, we'll say. Um, I don't know. It sounds like uh, you got the ghost of Christmas past over at your house tonight. <laughs> Is it? Crap. What? Uh, it's the dog. <laughs> well, you can't blame that. Hang on. Looks like Eric's... Uh, Derek's dog wants a little bit of attention this afternoon. Yeah. You want me to get rid of her? I I can live with it. I assume the the listeners can, if they can't understand a dog. Then... All right. As long as she doesn't bark, we'll be good. Well, if she has something to say, maybe, maybe she'll uh, have some uh, input on this uh, list of uh, classic cars. We came. We came across cars. You say, John. What are we going to talk about? I think we're going to talk about classic cars. This this list discuss classics that are recommended for daily driving. What are the best classics for daily driving? The author starts out presents Volkswagen Beetle, which I think a lot of us. I'm going to say even getting down to people in their twenties and stuff know the Beetle. A lot of people have driven the Beetle, experienced the Beetle. Own the Beetle, best-selling car in history, unless something's unseated it. I don't. It is still the best-selling car in history, is it not? Uh, that's hard to say. I'd have to look that up. But I believe Toyota was coming up on beating that record. With what? With the Camry, maybe. Well, that that's even less of a car. That is an unappl- Well, I didn't. I didn't say it was a. a I just okay. said I think it might be that Toyota's beating him. Uh, well, well, we'll just go with most likely one of the best-selling cars. We'll go with be- one of one of the best-selling cars in history. And I, I can agree. This is a car you can drive. You can fix. You know, on the side of the road, you can watch a YouTube video and find out how to put the fan belt on with the engine running. And actually, you can't put the fan belt on it, but you can put a belt on the engine with with the motor running and some simple tool. Not not recommended. Uh, just watch the video and go, why is that guy such a fool? But I think Derek and I will both agree that the VW Beetle is a justifiable classic and can be driven every day. Correct? We're going to argue over that one? I don't think so. I mean, I, I would definitely... Um, uh, the only thing I would say is classify it as it would have to be an early Beetle. Not... Not a more modern one. I'd go flat windshield car. Nothing with curved curved glass for a windshield. And I think you've got a classic that keeps you. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's a good way to classify it. So, and I'll throw it out there. No, no, uh, no, de- no debate from me on that. I mean, they're they're a, a reliable car. They're fun to drive. They're way. Um, don't dig too far into the you know history of the Beetle and why it was created and who it was created by, but 
But other than that, it's a great car. Uh, I, I don't think you can even, I wouldn't even discount it for that. It, it, it did what it was supposed to do. It was obviously created with, you know, by in a bad point in history, but it was created and it served its purpose. It did its purpose well. It did its purpose for, what, 50, 60, 39 to 99? So 60 years. Well, but they built them in Mexico later than that, if I remember correctly. Has it ever really, I don't even know if it's actually ever really stopped production in one part of the world or another. Yeah, it might still exist in uh, as a, quote, new car in South America, but it goes on, and I think we'll go ahead, and you know, I'll go ahead and say just about any Volkswagen with a flat windshield classifies as a, a certifiable classic, and we'll even, I'll even throw in the Carmen Ghias. They all had curved glass, but, you know, your buses, your things, any of that stuff, it, they're all Volkswagens. They're all on a Volkswagen pan. Uh, flat glass is where it's at. We'll call it that. Mm. I, I would see, and I, yeah, if I, uh, if I had to choose, I would probably go with, uh, over the beetle, but you know, in, in this case, this, you know, this list is listing the beetle. So, and that's where this, this author, um, start, starts his discussion. Um, well, I guess we give him credit, uh, Brian Silvestro, I guess that's what his name is. Derek and I have established, I can't pronounce names. But he comes out with that, and then you go on to the article where he asks for feedback and says, hey, let's talk about the cars that you think are good daily driver classics, and the opening picture is a Toyota FJ40. Just to let you know, there's no FJ40 in the dozen cars he discusses, or discusses which is disgusting because cool. the FJ40 would probably be a classifiable daily driver decent classic car. It was overlooked. Do you want to break the news on what he has as, I'm going to say it's listed as one of 12, and I'm going to assume this is in descending order, but the first car he shows in this article? or Can I complain about this first? Yes. Okay, good. The sad thing about this list and the appalling thing about this list is there are no cars... That's pre on this list. I don't know if that just means I'm getting old. None of these cars are classic cars. They're just good used cars to drive. I think that gets into who's on the internet, who's on roadandtrack.com. It sure as heck isn't the guys that read Road and Track back when Road and Track was... <laughs> This print magazine that had staples in it and had these really cool cutaway drawings in every ep- or issue. Um, it yeah, there's there's a definite lack of, and that's one reason I even jumped on this. Is everybody knows I, you know, I, I like a newer, more comfortable classic, but most of these cars are not classic. I agree heavily with a couple of them, but if you're going to do that, we've got to throw some better choices out there. Um, you know, there's no, yeah. yeah. I mean, like I'm going to say there's no yeah, I, 65 Mustang. There's no 57 Chevy. There's no, I mean, Derek will give me, give me a decent, you know, pre, pre-war car. Oh, pre-war car for, for, yeah, let's go pre-war car for just driving around. Uh, I mean, come on, I, 29 and up Chevrolets after they put the six cylinder in them. They're a perfectly fine car to just drive around. I mean, you're not going to go over 45 mile an hour, but as a daily driver, if you're just taking back roads, you don't have to hit the freeway. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, we have crazy friends that drive Model Ts for daily drivers. I think both of us exactly. I think both of us actually have multiple friends that drive Model Ts kind of daily. So. And as soon as I get a Model T, I'll probably drive, be driving it almost daily. To go back to what you were were you know initially alluding to here before I had to go off on my complaint of uh, the age of some of these cars, the first in the list is the Toyota Corolla AE86 generation, full blown classic in the automotive community. 
the, the AE86 is a three-door hatchback. I think it was called the SR5. I'm going to classify it as a used car because back when I was 16 or 17, this was a brand new car. Uh, I remember I've got a friend that crashed his without full coverage insurance, and it was at a junkyard, and he was always going to buy it back and repair it, and it sat there for years, and he only owed like $6,000 in storage fees, and he'd get it back, and that was in 91 or 92. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's name. You know, we just hung out together at the old gas station on, well, every night, just, you know, days that ended in day. It's a fun car, but it's, I don't, I'm going to even say, uh, I don't know a lot of people that crave these things. Maybe the Radwood crowd, but not, to, you know, not to knock them, but it does, I guess, fit for a newer generation, but I think when you're talking about classics, daily drivers, you'll find a little common theme in this list that they don't worry about or they're not classics to anybody who's 40 or older. I guess that sums it up. A well, and, and to, to, to dig into that deeper, I guess I have a hard time with the fact that you're, you're saying the best classic cars for daily driving and the majority of this list is cars from basically the eras where built, as John said, most of these cars were built as appliances at this point. They were meant to be driven day in and day out as daily drivers. Majority of them are fuel injected. They're easy. Change the oil, they'll run forever. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I get, yes, a daily driver is a daily driver. My F-150 is a, a daily driver, whatever. But to me, if you're going to go out and do this, figure out what the best daily drivers are, I feel like there's not a lot of challenge in trying to figure that out in the 1970s. And there's, I think there was a 90s car on here, wasn't there? Uh, you're approaching it, I believe. It's like a top 10 list of who who responded the most, not let's put some qualifications on the classic car. Let's worry about... What, you know, is it classic? Is it, I, I, I did, like I say, this is why we're going to tear this list apart, probably provide some of our own choices at the end. Now, after we criticize basically a Toyota and its appliance, et cetera, et cetera, the next car he throws out on the list is a BMW 2002, which I think all of us will agree is a classic car and is a very good daily driver classic car when properly maintained you know it's it's a bmw and personally i'm not a huge bmw fan but even i have some respect for the 2002 or the 2000 or there's a little version of this car that's a three-door hatchback i can't remember what it's called but uh kind of reminds you of the 318 ti from the mid 90s or the mercedes c230 from the mid 90s but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna yeah. give. I'm gonna give him a pass on the 2002. That's a classic car we can deal with. Yeah, and I mean at least this one on this list, you know, and we'll, we'll get through this, but at least it's one that has interesting styling. It's unique looking. You know exactly what 2002 is when it's coming at you, or when you're looking at it. They were you. Styling. Well, well, that's all I can say. Um, well, they, and they created, you a, know, as he, as he says here. Go ahead, John. I was going to say they created a segment. They created a car that still exists to this day. So, I mean, it it truly is a, a classic. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, as the article says, they're easy to fix. They're, uh, I mean, they're just a, a good, solid car. So. As you say, John, I give this one a pass. It does have a unique look. It is kind of a a classic look, and as you say, it's you know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. Well, and then what it does is, like, like I said, it opens up 
a whole line of cars for BMW that's still respected to this day. The M-Series cars, the 3-Series, now the 4-Series, and probably, even if you go back, created the 1 and 2-Series cars for BMW. And the next car he jumps to on his list is the E30 BMW 3-Series, which is really an evolution of the 2002. It's a generation or two beyond the 2002. I can almost give this one a pass, late 80s, Beverly Hills 90210. It's what every yuppie kid had in high school with rich parents. You know, I assume the Beverly Hills High School parking lot looked like a BMW dealership with these cars. It just worked. And I'm going to give even the 3 Series E30 a pass that it's not, they're not saying the M3 E30. They're saying the 3 Series because the M3s have become you know, 50, 60, I've seen them approaching $100,000 for really good examples. And while that's small money to some people, hundred grand's a lot of money for a daily driver classic. And if you're going to keep it at $100,000, you're not going to put a lot of miles on it. The car's got to stay clean. So I'll give the E30, I'm going to, even though it's newer, I can give it a pass. It does fit a lot of those niches, but it's almost saying the same thing as the 2002. To me, they're almost the same car. It's just all the same family. See, and I I, I don't think I can give it a pass, uh, unlike you, John. It is basically son or grandson of the 2002, you know, its family. And I, I just can't, you know, basically modern used car that you could run down to probably a used car parking, a used car lot, buy and i just yeah there's something about the the, just the modernness of these cars that is just very hard for me to get past and i don't think with the bmw e33 series i I don't think i can can consider it right for the list well let's say if you saw the rampage i posted on facebook today um the August 2nd, uh, there's a couple E30s at the same lot. So you're right. You can just go down the street to your local buy here, pay here place and pick it up. And then we're going to go to the next car. And this one always causes controversy in car circles. It's undeniable, in my opinion, that it is a classic. It created a whole niche market. It created the Porsche Boxster, it created the BMW Z3, it created the Mercedes SLK, it created the Audi TT, and it technically was unrivaled in its its segment because of its price, because of its quality, because of its durability, until Mazda made a mistake and sold the rights for somebody else to build its competitor. They're selling its, you know, they've allowed Fiat to go on and build its competitor, uh, but we're going to go, you know, we're not going to quite go to, what are we on, the ND cars or the, so for the Miata, and that's what we're talking about is the Miazda, Mazda Miata. This is the MX-5 NA car, the first generations, and you could really say that goes from 90 to 97, the 1.6 liter, 1.8 liter cars together. I've owned one in the past, absolutely loved it. Derek, I know, has owned one of the creations or cars that was created by this niche with your Pontiac Solstice. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for this car, we wouldn't have a two-seat Roadster on the market right now. You could even possibly go as far as saying Porsche might not even be in business without the Miata because the Boxster was kind of the savior of the Porsche line and got Porsche to the point where it could afford to build the Cayenne, which is also one of the two saviors. But without the Boxster, Porsche was losing market share and losing money hand over fist. And now today, as they say on uh, Spikes Car Radio, Porsche is the largest manufacturer of specialty or limited production specialty automobiles in the world. And if it wasn't for the Miata, you, you you know, that segment wouldn't exist. Never mind the driving quality. Never mind how perfect Ma- Mazda got the Lotus Elan, which they've always reluctantly se- denied was the styling cues for this car, but it's undeniable with anybody with two eyes and a tape measure. 
what's your feelings on the Miata and, and that? I, I, you know, I adore them and would like to have another one in my garage at some point in time. I, I think it's, I think it's, it, it's an okay card. List. It, it, it can get a pass classic wise. I mean, it is a modern car, but I think you're right. There is so much history with, uh, you know, and what it spawned, as you say. And now I hope when you said there wouldn't be a two seat roadster on the market, you were in, in reference, um, small, mid-sized cars. We do have other two-seat roadsters. I can think of one specific that is out on the market. Yes, but it, it it's a di- it's a different level. I mean, I'm gonna. I guess you. Yeah, that's what I'm the, saying. The, We're the, talking the, different levels. The, the small, yeah. the smaller entry level. I still say the Porsche Boxster, yeah. the Audi TT, the SLK wouldn't exist, even though we know what you're alluding to. The pricing is at the same or more. This car kind of told everybody it was okay. Lotus at the same time introduced a car called the Elan M100, which failed miserably. Front-wheel drive, two-seat roadster, $40,000. Miata came out same year, $13,998, I believe, because I, I so wanted one. Dead base car, red, black top, n- never did get it. I, but I so wanted a, a 90 Miata when they first came out you see the only thing that that bugs me and and this is my own personal preference my personal deep-seated issues i'm not a fan of that essentially as i would say everyone else has there's hundreds of thousands of me it's just another Miata. And again, this is my personal, you know, feelings on the matter. That's probably own a Miata. That's why I bought the, the Solstice over a Miata is, although you see Solstices running around here and there occasionally, or the, the they're they were only built for a few years. They're not, you know, they're not as prevalent in the you know world today as a miata uh and miata did a fantastic job because they've had a long run and that's why there are so many of them but like me and model t's i although it would be fun to have a model t i have that kind of that feeling and that sentiment that years ago the model t is the miata of the antique car world there's still hundreds of thousands of them left uh, out of the 15 million that were built. It's hard for me to really think about getting a Model T because there are just so many out there. I like a unique uh, driver that I'm going to take out. And to me, I like the uniqueness of an older car to go drive around. And it's not just, oh, look, there's another Model T, or there's another Miata. Again, that comes down to personal preference. So, well, I do like the exclusive. I will give the the Miata a pass for this. Yeah, I do like the exclusivity in that that th- some things bring. But if we were sitting here doing no driving gloves podcast in 1980, we'd be having the same conversation about the MGB. And you're right; it's one reason I don't like the MGB, don't care for them, other than they're just absolute nightmares to work on, in my opinion. There's too many of them. Everybody's got one. There are all kinds of conditions from extremely nice to rusted out things that you put fish oil on to kind of make look shiny. I, I can see where you're, you you come from that, but even, you know, the MGB is a classic. The Model T is a classic. It doesn't have the exclusivity of what some of us think is a, you know, a classic. You know, I do like rare. I do like to be different. Um, obviously, I think all car people want a little bit of, exclude you know here we go again exclusivity for about the eighth time in the last two minutes but it's just proper english yeah we'll bring zara into this and yeah she likes to correct me on my english in these podcasts anymore her and her masters of education and specializing in english or something like that but maybe one of these days i'll get better but i'm pretty set in my my speaking ways 
and my mispronunciation of a lot of words, but it's my northern accent, we'll say. We'll try to buzz through the next couple really quick because they're kind of controversial and you can say a lot about them. Uh, Saab 900. And we're droning on them. Yes. You know, Saab 900, eh, if you're Satch Carlson, with B- who now writes for Beamer Magazine, I remember from the last page of Auto, Auto Week, loved his uh, Saab 99s, and you know the 900 was kind of the follow-up, and I had a General Motors Saab 93 and absolutely loved the car. I think the 900 was a, a neat car. Had some friends in high school with them. They want to talk about exclusivity and wanting to be eclectic in your car taste. I think this, that sums up the Saab 900. Yeah, I, I had a boss that uh, one time that loved to loved his Saabs. You know, to me, you know, with the, a Saab is a Saab, you know, Saab 900, whatever. They all look fairly similar. Not a lot of styling changes in in sobs through the this generation let's call it i know of them from having a boss that absolutely loved to drive them and the few people i've known other than that that i've run into that have owned them you know goofy looking and and fun to drive and i mean i i guess i can slip that one a pass for the list yeah the only reason i don't quite give it a pass is if i remember the friends of mine that had them brand new in high school, they were kind of unreliable cars and they, they either ran or they didn't run. And even though I lived in a fairly large town of a hundred thousand, 125,000 people, there's still, you know, one dealer and very specific on getting it repaired and things like that. So I'm not sure, especially in today's day and age with no sob dealers, I would really sob experts, even a lot of the independent shops I know won't touch sobs. I don't know if it's a good daily driver classic. It's a good Sunday cruise classic, car show classic. But unlike the next car on the list we'll jump to is the Datsun 240Z. I saw a meme recently that said, no, your 260 is not a 240. And I firmly believe that. A 260 is not a 240 and a 280 is not a 240. A 240 is a car all of in its own and, again, brought a true sports car to the masses, kind of like the Miata did. I would say the 240 is kind of the Miata of its of the 1970s, of the early 70s. Does your silence mean you want me to talk? Well, I was leaving a little bit of silence for you to interject so I don't drone on and on and on, and then I'm sitting here in the silence going... I just left Derek in the wide open to talk about a sports car, his complete <laughs> base knowledge of interest. He might get a paycheck because of him, but that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the no, 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 you're right. The 240Z is. The other ones, you've got to leave them out. <sighs> yeah, Derek had the same. They were. Same thoughts in the pre-show they were a conversation. Cool car. <laughs> yeah, they were a cool car in in their time. They're still a cool car. They've got a cool look. My thing is, and and I'm quirky and I'm weird, but if I had my choice between a Datsun 240Z GT, I'd take the Opel GT for a sports car. Little too, you know, the little. Kind of the similar styling look going on. That's that's just where my taste lies. But were a fantastic car. Anyone I've ever known that had owned a 240Z, I don't complain about them. I guess they could be a good daily driver. And they definitely were fun. Never driven one. I've heard they were quite a bit of fun. So, you know, maybe maybe it's a daily driver with a little fun. Okay. I I had to Google it because I didn't believe that that had ever even been thought, but I will admit, I will occasionally admit when I'm wrong, there are at least um, one, two, three, four, five articles that come up on Google, Opel GT versus Datsun 240Z including one <laughs> from uh, referring, I believe, referring back to Road and Track, July 1971. 
for some reason, I would have put those cars in completely different classes, but I think I just said Derek gets a paycheck because of sports cars, so we know what he does. Well, you know. He reads obsolete magazines about that's the best way to do it. So, okay. Well, and mind you, John, just just to make sure everybody knows, none of those articles were written by me about the Opel GT versus the Audi Z. Okay, they, so okay. those are all five written by other people. Well, some are on forums, so I don't know. Maybe Derek commented under an alias. And then, of course, Dotson takes another spot on this list. And unless this is a red, white, and blue BRE, I don't understand. I'm completely at a loss. There's a lot of other cars I can think of that would fit better than a Dotson 510. Hell, oh, come on. I would even go for a 210 before Take I went for a 510. This is... but. Yeah, th- th- this is okay. I appreciate I I appreciate it because, especially in the U.S., it's you're early in the import game. Okay, you, well, early in, in Japanese the the you know import game. Let's say, is that is that reasonable to say? Uh, yes. Yeah, this is when you. Yeah, they, I mean, were, they were they were just beginning to establish legs and uh, become solid yes, competitors and, to the Americans, but mainly m- more right. because my Matador got three miles a gallon and this got twenty. But well, yes, but what I'm saying is I can't broad stroke the import game because cars have been being imported to the U.S. since started to be built. So this is the Japanese, the um, Asian. Uh, import market in its hold in the U.S. They were, as John just said, they were reliable cars. They, I mean, this is why they took their grasp on the American market. They were reliable. They got better gas mileage than pretty much anything. Be- and, you know, they were a lot smaller than the big sedans the, the big three were turning out. You know, they were essentially the compact era um, coming to the U.S. I'm sorry, I got to say, I kind of dig the styling of some of these sedans. I did the styling of some of the sedans coming out of the U.S. market. What I think this car is, is the Datsun 510. And what's weird is, from what we've gathered, this is a publicly voted on competition and, you know, you submitted and how enough people submitted Datsun 510s to make the top 12 cars for Brian here, I don't know. I mean, Alpha made a really cool four-door sedan. Fiat did. Of course, they all rusted away. So maybe it's just the 510 survived. But this kind of looks like the cop-out. You got five grand for a classic, maybe six grand for a classic, and you got kids. What might the significant other let me bring into the house? And that's... That's the only reason I see the 510 on this list. Yeah, they were they were groundbreaking cars. They helped establish Datsun, which later became Nissan, same company, just changed their name. I hear that all the time on podcasts. People get, well, Nissan bought Datsun or whatever. No, they just changed their name. This is just a four-door sedan that I don't know why it made the list. Followed up by... The Volvo 240, which can be a respected sedan and has a following, but I'm not a Volvo guy. Dudley Morris. You know what I find cool? You know what I find cool? I wouldn't have a clue. The headrests. That's about it. Uh, the only reason I ever think of him is with Dudley Moore in the movie Crazy People from 20 years ago. Uh, where he's an ad, ad executive at Volvo, boxy but good. And that that <laughs> that still holds true to me for a Volvo. I mean, a couple of years back, I seriously considered a, a Volvo C30. The Volvo P1800 is a better choice for this list. Unless, nowhere did it say a budget. I, I get a feeling that there was a budget or a price range here. A P1800 is not going to be any more than a good 240, so... If I'm if I'm buying a classic Volvo for a daily driver, give me an eighteen hundred. 
boxy but good. Now, I'm going to make a lot of people mad with that, but let's just skip the 240. I, I mean, come on. He says it right in the beginning. Volvo's legendary that it's a brick. We're good. We don't we don't need it to be a daily driver classic. I mean, I, if Volvo made a daily driver that I want to be driving around, it's the old Volvo Batwings, okay? Again, unique and and rare, but and not exactly get your hands on. But honestly, this era of Volvo, if somebody asked me, what do you remember of them? What do you only thing that ever comes to mind are the stupid headrests that they put in these cars. Ugh. Well, and since we can't leave well enough alone on these four doors, the next one is W123 Mercedes E-Class. Come on. We're going to buy a Mercedes. We're going to well, go for a daily classic, and we're going to buy the four-door sedan. Yay! Yes, this is this is for your daily guy that wants to, or person that wants to be a, have a daily driver classic, but can't afford, you know, Vietnam era, slightly post Vietnam era, uh, moving in uh, the the Middle East era of of conflicts uh, tank. Uh, you know, they, they want to feel powerful like they're in a tank, the money for a tank, so they buy a Mercedes W123 sedan. Well, you know, clicking through this, if I hadn't clicked through the list, I would almost expect the next car in this list to be a Dodge Aries K. Give me a break. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm, okay, I'm a guy in my mid-40s. I'm a guy in my late 30s. I've got some disposable income. I want a cl- classic car. I got 10 grand for a classic car. I could count on I wouldn't even need fingers. How many of my friends would rush out and buy one of these? The only reason I have some hesitation is our local pr- president here in Birmingham of Mercedes-Benz Club of America actually drives like one of these and drives it every day and He's got plenty of money, but he does drive one of these. He does enjoy it. I mean, you could at least go, you know, a, a 600 series Mercedes or something. Yeah, that whole bunch more money. But I just have a hard time with four-door sedans. And I do a lot of car things. I do a lot of car shows. I do a lot of car clubs. I talk to a lot of car people. We've... We've named more four doors on this list in the last 40 minutes than I think I've seen combined at any recent car show, unless we're stock, talking like Volkswagen GTIs and Evos or something. And But those aren't classics. Those are modern financeable things. But since we're not going to jump to a Dodge Aries K, why not? Because we have a family and we need to be safe. And we need to be enjoyable. We can't forget the beloved, long and lusted after Toyota Land Cruiser SUV. Wee! Which, okay, I'll give you a Land Cruiser from the 60s. It's like a tank that reminds you of the original G-Wagons. The one pictured here is a 1988, maybe 1990, I don't know. Toyota Land Cruiser. Well, yes. Read it. I mean, you know, he does use a stock photo, but he does say no matter which generation of Land Cruiser you're into, you're going to get a reliable car. That's like saying no matter what generation of Ferrari Testarossa you're into, you're going to get a good value. Do you want the 86 Don Johnson or you want the 59 uh, Manuel Fangio? You know, let's... (laughs) No, there's a distinct difference here. Uh, Use use a photo that depicts the right car. You know how hard is it? You're writing for a car magazine online. Google has a huge image search. Pond Five has a whole bunch of images you can download for like a buck, copyright free. Uh, let's use the right photo. And maybe I'm not going to criticize your choice of a Land Cruiser, 
I can't knock the SUVs, but let's see here. I got the money for a Land Cruiser. I got the money for an FJ40. I got the money for a Ford Bronco. Uh, I could use a stock picture of an 88 Ford Bronco. No, no, let's let's go with a 1992 Land Cruiser. Poor, poor writing, poor, I don't I, I want to, where did they pull these people from? <laughs> Let's walk into a, no offense, coffee shop on a college campus and ask them their 12 favorite cars that were are more than eight years old. And hopefully they, and they took the 12 answers. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just the uh, um, cars that people, their parents driving at this point. And that, kind of is a good picture of number 11 on his list, which like we said, mm-hmm. what, what are we discussing? Is there a budget on this list? I don't know, because all of a sudden now we're to the Porsche 911 and you can't buy a Porsche 911 with the, ex, you know, this side of 60, 70 grand anymore it seems. Maybe an 88 through 94. But, you know, I'm watching 70 Porsche 911 basket case cars sell for a hundred grand on Bring a Trailer. Uh, Porsche's, you know, introducing it. You know, what did they? They introduced the Porsche Speedster as a new model, going to build 1,948 of these cars. And six hours later, they introduced a new 911 that subseded that limited edition. If you remember what I said about Porsche earlier, you know, the largest purveyor of specialty cars in the world. Uh, it's, you know, that, that I didn't coin that term. It's used, like I said, on uh, Spike's Car Radio podcast. They talk a lot about Porsches. 911, I'll give you. Probably the best car to drive daily. Does not fit on this list because it's a completely different budget. Put a Boxster on here. You know, when I... And, but I think the thing to point out, the, the other thing to point out is VW was already on the list. Depending what generation a 911, because remember, Porsche did separate, then Porsche kind of wanted to buy BMW and then our VW, and then it was all dry the, humor, John. And then no, it was dry I, humor. I don't understand dry humor. I, I'm called, is it pedantic quite often? <laughs> but you know, it's just because now, of course, Porsche is owned by VW, so. But and I, that's the thing, yeah. But but that, John, I don't. This this car, it does not fit this list. It does not. It should not be on this list because the Porsche Nine is no longer any of the older Porsche Nine Elevens are no longer converse. They're becoming more and more and more collectible. It's it's. You know, the earliest ones already, I mean, they're already cars that guys are, you know, locking up in their collection and, and taking to only certain car shows and, and things like that. I like the, you know, one of the episodes when we talked about the, you know, up and coming collector cars, it's like the C4 Corvette. Same thing. Right now, there's a lot of the C4 Corvettes that are kind of daily drivers for people, you know, there's for a lot of people, they're quickly becoming the next sought after generation of Corvette. And it's the same thing with the more modern 911s. Their value is only not going to be able to maintain any type of daily driver status because of the value. Now, to be honest, I see more and more 911s, especially 60s to late 70s, being bought as uh, investments and are locked up. I'm seeing more 356s, I think, being used and hearing of more 356s being used than I do 911s. Because I think we've, you know, the collect the Porsche collector markets accepted the fact that 356s are 100 grand all day long. 911s are still on this climb and we don't know where they're going to stop. I think we're getting near the top of the building, and there, uh, my, my guess is that in the next 12 months or something, I don't think I'd want to be buying a 911 at top dollar this time next year. I think the market's going to start to cool 
in the sometime in the next nine to eighteen months. But that's just my opinion on the nine eleven, yeah. and I don't think it belongs. Yeah, you know, it really doesn't belong on this list. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I think I completely agree with you, and probably probably the easiest one whole list to just completely throw off. So, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the list. I mean, there's there's not really anything else to talk about, is there, John? Well, like you said, that that one is the easiest to throw off the list, but it is followed by the the utmost most correct one to be on this list. I don't think you could think of a what? better. No, there's there I don't I don't see any more on the list, John. What are you talking about? I don't think you could find a better car to put on this list. It, it speaks of a lot. It's the two-seater sports car that the Miata followed. It It's the sports car that the 911 wishes it was. It's, you know, it just hits everything. There's not a, there's not a car ever in existence, ever, ever made, that is better than, than number 12 on this list. But... I'll actually go back and say, I don't know if this car quite belongs on this list. It, if you post on some of my forums, I want to buy a Radwood car and I only have six grand to spend or I only have eight grand to spend, this is the first car I'm going to tell you to go buy. And I do. You can, If you can search, go to Radwood, search my name, and those posts will come up. And I recommend this car all the time. I talk about loving this car. I think, you know, it it will be a car I own again someday. I just cussed last night because I found one with 29,000 miles and $15,000. And I just recently bought a car like three or four days ago. And my ex-wife gave me a rule when we started dating. Only buy one. I can only buy one car a month. Uh, first month we went out, I bought two cars. And maybe that was the beginning of the end of our 20-year relationship. And I didn't feel I should push it with a new girlfriend. I wouldn't be buying two cars in one month because I bought one in July 31st, and this would have been August 1st. But uh, been one car, two cars in the same week. But what, of course, we're speaking of is the Honda CRX, and I just think these cars are great. Um, my girlfriend lays next to me and says, "I don't know what you see in these cars. I don't understand them." I said, "You just got to drive them." And there are CRX people, and they aren't. And it's kind you know, Derek's giving me a hard time. I'll let him discuss, and then I'll go ahead and actually probably eliminate this car from the list, other than what I said is it's a decent car to drive every day. I don't have any experience with Honda CRXs. Uh, I know what John tells me, and... That's about it. Um, so, according to John, they're a great car, fun to drive. They're reliable, dependable, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so, I mean, with what I know of them, and I've seen other people driving them around. I see them on the road every now and then. It sounds like they're a daily driver to me, and I mean, they're. Definitely a uh, a face only a mother could love, uh, in my opinion. Uh, an odd-looking car, but hey, to each their own, right? I mean, I have my own personal tastes in things, so John can have personal tastes in Honda CRXs. That's so tell us why you'd throw it off the list, John. It kind of falls into some of that earlier conversation they built a ton of them there's you know if you can find a stock one that's what i would recommend but finding a stock one like i said twenty nine thousand miles fifteen thousand bucks sticker price on that car was 12.9 um i still have a hard time believing these cars are worth a little bit more than sticker yeah granted inflation blah 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 uh that was a brand new perfectly stock car they rust they have issues it it is a good car, dollar-wise, fun-wise, and can be daily driven. So, yeah, maybe it does make sense on the list, but I also have a hard time, and it's kind of what Derek was saying about the Miata. There's a lot of them. 
they are a face, you know, only a mother could love. You either love this car, or you hate this car. I mean, they have no ass, and you know, ever since '88 and Mix a Lot, everything's got to have a little bit of ass to it. Um, it's, I'm, I'm actually indifferent whether or not it should be on the list. I'm good with it being on the list. I love seeing it on the list. I wish I had one in the garage, but, and I think the way we're going to finish up this show is I'm going to let Derek say, Hey, now what is your one choice? And what is my one choice? I don't think I'm going to say the CRX. I haven't decided. I, you know, I'm going to obviously. I'm just throwing the question on Derek now, but we were going to get to that anyway. But I don't know if it belongs on the list or not. But I guess if the Miata's there, the CRX might belong there. I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to leave it there. And why don't you guys tell us on uh, the social medias uh, what your your thoughts are? I'll try to dig up a picture of one of my old CRXs. I have a really good one with some rally pink wipers and the little wiper things on it, and that I need to get together for a post on Radwood anyway. So, so since we went through Brian's dozen cars, thirteen including his Volkswagen choice, what do you think, Derek? You would add to this list if he would have said, he would have called you and said, you know, Mister Moore, I'm putting this article together. What do you think is the one of the best, or if not the best, daily driver classic cars in existence. Would it be wrong to say the Chevy Chevette? No, no, that's 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 a joke. Chevette's not a bad car. Uh, I've actually considered recently buying one. Uh, I, I, we can get into I almost, that on a different episode. <laughs> I almost bought one a couple of years back, 1976 Chevette Woody. <laughs> Nice. Um, I, I mean, for me, I always have to be, and, and if there's no parameters on this thing, we can see by the list that there were none. Uh, I would have to be the quirky guy that winds up, you know, saying that some crazy early car. And honestly, and this is the thing after you did twenties, by really the late 1920s, any car is pretty much a, a good daily driver. You can get in them if they're if right and tuned up and you know what you're doing. You can get in them and drive. And honestly, right now, I'm, I'm contemplating there's this unrestored 1929 Chevrolet for sale. It's sedan. It's six-cylinder. And I'm, I'm contemplating. Well, you know, do do I want to maybe sell something to to get that car because that would be one heck of a cool daily driver. And yeah, I'm not going to go on the freeway with it, but you know, it still can be used as a daily driver. It'd take me a little bit longer to get to work, but uh, on the other end of things, I mean, in my uh, well, even in that Datsun 510, you know, you're not going to get on the freeway with that thing. You're not going to get up to speed in it until you're where you got to go. Same thing with my 61 Ford Falcon. I rarely take my 61 Ford Falcon on the highway, on the freeway, expressway, interstate, whatever. Because really trying to push that thing to 75 to 80 miles an hour to be feel safe and keep up with traffic. It's got the 144 six-cylinder engine in it. It, it doesn't have that much power. It's much better to drive that car and much safer to drive that car on the side roads. To me, that 29 Chevy is just as good a daily driver as my 61 Ford Falcon. And there's something to be said on that. And because you're willing, you're willing and you're able to do some roadside repairs and maintenance. You know, a 1929 Chevrolet is going to take a little bit of finessing every now and then that I'm going to say, what was the meme I saw yesterday that with a manual transmission and I can't remember what we would destroy a whole generation. But uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, for you that, that make makes a, 
heck of a lot of sense. I mean, the price is there. It keeps it in budget. I was hoping you would keep it, you know, in a budget and not fly off and say, oh, yeah, I want a Duesenberg SSJ Roadster or I want the uh, Bugatti Royale two-seat Roadster or something like that. What, well, I'm, what, I, I think a I think a Pierce Arrow limousine from 1927 would be wonderful. Yes, uh, Duesenberg twenty grand, please. And I, I and I've thought about this, and I, in keeping it in budget and keeping it a little bit with where I I'm at, I can, I kind of narrow it down to two. And I think the most one would be a, you know a Mercedes convertible like a 450 or 500 SL from the late 70s early 80s but that's still a lot of maintenance issues and expensive to maintain you know if you you I can't remember part of the fuel system 4 or 5 grand for a repair and I'm trying to think of this as a guy on a budget you know a guy that makes 50 grand a year with a family you know with two kids at home and wants a car he can drive and afford but have a little bit of fun with, and I'm going to throw out, and excuse me, I think one of the best steals on a car, it's going to appreciate, it's not going to appreciate as fast as any of the others, would be buying a 75 or a 76 and maybe getting into the 77 Corvette. The C3 of those three model years, I think, are a little bit left out. You know, get a T-top car. The 74s and earlier get fall into that chrome bumper. Uh, 74 has the half chrome, half rubber. Uh, but the 75, 76, and 77s, they don't have performance for squat. They don't have the glass hatch, which I think is a much more attractive design. I just think those are three years that they're going to be solid. You're not going to lose any money on you could still buy a running driving car for ten grand, and if you hop in it and you decide to go on a three hundred mile road trip and the distributor screws up, you can stop at AutoZone and get the part and fix it on the side of the road. If you don't know how to fix it, you can swing by a local repair shop, and I don't care if they're a Mercedes or a BMW or a Chevrolet dealer. Most shops are smart enough to fix a carbureted. 350. And I just think for a daily driver, something to use every day, not have a lot of money into it, I don't think you can go wrong with a Corvette of those three model years. And I've felt that way for many, many, many years. And I just think, you know, it's just kind of a solid investment. You disagree, Mr. Corvette? No, I actually, I mean, I think it's a. Uh, uh, a solid everything you said i mean they're they're the you know kind of you you don't have to say that least, <laughs> they're the but they're as you said they're the least kind of desirable right now they're that kind of odd left out uh, period of the c3 generation they're still at that time period where they're easy to work on they're easy if you know what you're doing to work on them or trip and something happens, you're going to be able to find a shop somewhere that the guys, one of the guys there is going to know what to do to a Corvette era because you know, you open the hood and you can still get down into that engine compartment and work on things. And I, I think it's a solid, there you go. There you have Derek and I tearing apart a list a little bit, giving our opinions on some classic cars for a change. If I'm not correct, Derek, uh, this is your last episode for a couple of weeks, and your last episode is a single man, correct? Uh, that would be the case, yes. I will be off for the next two weeks. You you and Will are going to have to hold it down. So it, it's either um, going to be Will and I, or I've I've got a little bit. I've got some guests lined up and uh, might do some interview shows. We're going to see how it works out. I think Will, this is was last la, the last big deadline for Will for a while. So hopefully he can join us. Um, I bought a new vehicle recently, and I kind of want to get Will's input on some of it. Derek's probably going to have to get left out of that conversation. It just depends on the interviews and that. But we might make I'm okay this with a, that. We might make this a little bit John centric, and uh, uh, I'll let, I'll throw it out here now. 
I bought a 2018 Ford Transit Connect cargo van. It has the windows in the front, one window on the side. Uh, the rest of it's white, and I don't, you know, I don't mind driving a contractor van, but I'd like it to be a little bit unique and kind of want to get Will's thoughts on it. I kind of have a way I want to go with maybe modifying it on the the budget. But if you have any ideas on how you would modify your Transit Connect, again, hit us up on Facebook or send us an email, and um, I'm open, and we're going to see where that that kind of goes. But we're a little over our hour, so unless Derek has a lot to say, we'll wish him well, um, good weddings, and uh, we'll talk. It's just... Pardon? It's just one wedding. No. Weddings. It's just one. Good wedding. Okay. Good wedding. And <laughs> congratulations to him and uh, his fiance. I don't know if we've ever spoke her name, so I'll just leave it at fiance. And we'll, uh, I'll talk to everybody next week. And uh, I'm out of here. I got wedding stuff to do. Go figure. So I'm going to get out of here. <laughs>